You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Tuesday, I speak to Joanne Bainham from Sterling Wealth in Cape Town. And Joanne, November was an extraordinary month. Have you seen the numbers? Somebody was reeling them out to me this morning. S&P this and MSCI that and uh, JSE All Share Index uh, something else. I think it was one of the best Novembers or best months on record. Can you believe it? No, it's, it's simply unbelievable. I mean, all thanks to the vaccine news, the markets have had, as you say, groundbreaking numbers. So I think the numbers that you might have been quoted with the MSCI world had its best month ever. Yes. Um, S&P 500 had its, was up 10.8%, capping its best November since 1928. Uh, the Russell 2000, I think, was up over 20%, best, um, best month ever. I mean, this year, 2020, has been a year of extremes. We've gone from worst months ever to best months ever to quickest falls to fastest recoveries. It's really been an extreme year. Yes, and I wonder what that is. I wonder if that's reality. And as I think we spoke on another platform the other day about the flash crash, uh, but it was a one-year flash crash. In other words, in February, March of this year, we started to go down. It went straight down and then went straight up again, almost as though someone had pressed the wrong button at the wrong time. And the market is now... If you look at it, S&P was 3,400 in February. It's now, looking at my screen, yeah, just over 3,600. So it's been a normal year if you take out all the peaks and troughs, mainly troughs. It's just been a normal year. And it's as if the global health crisis never happened. I look, I mean, I think we look back in history, we won't actually believe this year. I just hope 2021 starts to return to normal in terms of all these growth numbers people are talking about. And look, from a low base effect we should definitely see a better 2021. Do we get these kind of extreme moves? Who knows? But I I read something very interesting today from, I think, Goldman Sachs. And if I just quote you something here. Yes. um, Equity markets have devolved into casinos. Professional equity strategists have now mostly jumped on the bandwagon out of utter fatigue. They are just about universally bullish. The euphoria is here. And I think this kind of, that's a great summing up of 2020 because if you look at the fundamentals for a number of companies, their earnings continue to be quite poor. And yes, one's expecting them to return to normal or get better in 2021. But we've had some pretty bad numbers from an earnings perspective. So logically, one would have expected company share prices to have fallen. But the speed with which companies have recovered, I think, has taken a lot of us by surprise. And a large part of that is because of central bank liquidity. You know, it's been the same story now for 10 years. Let's ignore the fundamentals and let's look what central banks are up to. And then on top of it, in 2020, you've had governments come to the party with massive fiscal spending projects. So I know that at the moment we're getting to that close line on fiscal spending in the US. And I think we have to wait till January next year to what happens in Georgia with the runoff and the elections there. But we are getting to the point where governments have to spend more money. But right now, the markets have rallied this year on the vaccine or very recently the vaccine news, but mostly because of liquidity from central banks. And I don't know about you, Lindsay, but I just don't see central banks raising rates for a long time. No, I don't either. Uh, I do see that the bond rate might start to go higher. In other words, let's talk about the benchmark, which is the US 10-year. If that starts to go a a little bit higher, then there's a lot of people suddenly saying to themselves, wait a second, there's over $17 trillion worth of bonds that are zero or below zero. And that I I can't even begin to imagine what might happen if the the, the bond yields start to rise and the the bond prices uh, start to fall. Maybe you could shed some light on that. You're cleverer than I am. Oh, no ways, Lindsay. But I, I think to your question, 
I think if we start seeing interest rates rise too quickly, that would make markets nervous. But if they gradually start to rise because economic growth is improving, I actually think for the value sector of the market, that's exactly what the value guys really need to see. Because this value growth trade that everyone's jumping up and down and now getting very excited because the world's getting back to normal only has legs if interest rates slowly start to normalize because we've been living in an unreal world for too long. And that's why growth shares have done so well because interest rates have been so low. To see a change in leadership or a defined change in leadership, you need to see interest rates start to rise because, you know, growth is picking up. Inflation starts to come back a little bit. Interest rates start to rise. But it's all about the quantum. If it rises too fast and takes people by surprise, that's a different story. But again, with central banks watching everything, and I see Powell yesterday, two days ago, was saying, we're not out of the woods yet. Growth still remains quite anemic. If they keep saying things like that, that means they will keep rates lower for longer. So you might have the best of all worlds. You might have growth picking up, but interest rates staying low. And in that environment, you know, equities can do very well. I wouldn't bet against Trump actually making sure that Jerome Powell, the chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve, keeping rates lower, even though he wants to raise them a little bit because of the uh, the, the, the sudden spurt in U.S. economic activity. And Trump will say, well, look, look what happened when uh, Joe Biden uh, came in. Uh, the first thing that happened was the interest rates start, started to rise and therefore the stock market came back. I can just see this political game that he's he's going to play. What about Jerome Powell? What is this position when there's a new administration? Does he stay in his job because it's sort of an autonomous, separate entity to, to government um, with Janet Yellen as the uh, the Treasury Secretary. How does it work? Do you know more than I do? I'm sure you do. No, I'm afraid on this subject, I'm rather clueless. I, I think Paul was appointed by Trump, if, if memory serves correctly. Yes. But I, I think the next election, I think Biden can appoint the next one. But I don't know when his term comes to an end. I don't even know how long that lasts for. So I, I don't see Biden upsetting the apple cart. I mean, Jeremy Powell's been very good for markets. He's been quite a, a safe pair of hands at Reddit Commerce. So I don't see Biden changing his mind on that. You know, I don't see Powell aggressively raising rates because if anything, he remains as cautious as ever. And don't forget, we've got Janet Yellen, who has a very similar view to Powell. So, yeah, I, I think that is status quo remains. Uh, my, my point is more interesting is like, what happens if this vaccine rollout takes too long? What happens if we don't get fiscal spending in January? Because that's, we do need to see that now. I don't think you're following what's happening in Europe at the moment. They can't seem to agree on their next fiscal spending projects. So that, that's a bit of a worry. But right now, the market is looking through all of it and saying, happy days, the vaccine's here, the world's coming back. So that's all the kind of the rhetoric we're seeing right now. Yes, indeed. And the US dollar on the defensive, a, a euro dollar close to 120. And that was, I think, probably very good for emerging markets. What's your emerging market view at Sterling Wealth? Okay, so in a weak dollar environment, that tends to be very good for emerging markets. And we have seen huge inflows and massive inflows coming into emerging markets in November. Interestingly enough, we've also seen huge flows go into U.S. equity markets. So the bottom line has just been flows going into equities, full stop. Yeah. But as to our view on emerging markets at Sterling, we do like emerging markets. We are buying Asian emerging market funds for our clients. I think you've got to be very careful to distinguish between the JSC, which is an emerging market, and other emerging markets. And for us, it makes a lot of sense, even if you have exposure to the local equity markets, to also have exposure to other emerging markets because they have growth. I, I think next year we should see better growth in South Africa, again, from a base effect perspective. But structurally, as I said to you many times on this call, I continue to worry about our structural growth rates in South Africa, and I worry less about that in Asia. I think Asia's got a far better growth plan. 
So yes, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, Lindsay, we do like emerging markets for our clients. Final question, is there a chance that we're all being conned by the month of November? In other words, we're being conned into believing that the PMI in China, which was released today, is nine months into an expansionary phase and is unsustainable. Are we thinking that the vaccines will be the silver bullet for the world economy and everyone is going to go back to normality and forget about 2020. Are the stock markets going to suddenly say, yeah, the realisation is uh, that the two points that Lindsay Williams have just made are are actually true? Because it just doesn't... Something feels a little bit unreal about it. It almost feels as though people are saying, well, let's brush 2020 aside without looking forward. Because looking forward is, to me... In the high street in the United Kingdom, the um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Arcadia Group, Sir Philip Green's group, is is laying off thirteen thousand people potentially in the next couple of days because they've they've collapsed. Another twelve thousand from I think the Debenhams Group, uh, JD Sports owned uh, Debenhams Group, and Disney laying off thirty two thousand people. One thing says something, and the other thing says something else. If you see what I'm, I'm being r- rather inarticulate. But there is a Wall Street and there is a Main Street, and it doesn't seem to click to me. Look, I don't think they've clicked for a long time, and I think it's back to my point in the very beginning. I think fundamentals have been far less important to markets than I think interest rates have been. So in the scenario that you're painting where people continue to lose their jobs, where a lot of companies go bankrupt because they can't be saved by fiscal spending in time, I think it means central banks keep interest rates low for a very long time, which is actually quite bullish for risk assets. So you can have this perverse issue with Main Street does badly, but Wall Street does well. And it will be certain sectors that do better than others. What we have seen, though, the stay-at-home stocks have done so well this year and the value stocks have done so badly. And with a little hint of hope that value starts returning in 2021, we've seen the, one of the biggest months ever in November as people have been buying the kind of the hopeful trade, the cyclical trade. So, yeah, I think it still remains quite tough out there. I think you'd be very careful which stocks you buy, very careful which sectors you invest in. But I think for the first time in a long time, we're seeing some hope. Remember, pre-vaccine, we had no idea how long COVID was going to destroy lives for, lives and livelihoods. So for the first time in a long time, we've got some hope on the horizon. But back to your point about interest rates, Lindsay, if we see aggressive interest rate spikes, yeah, then markets could come off very quickly. Just for what it's worth, in the short term, we have seen one of the biggest outperformance of equities versus bonds for ages. And in that environment, if we're looking at about debt to equity positioning, the 60-40 funds, which look at portfolio positioning, but those, a lot of those funds have to rebalance. And we could see a bit of selling in December as those funds rebalance from, from their equity portfolio back into bonds. But that's a very much a short-term trading idea. I think in 2021, we should start to see growth pick up, uh, economic growth, that is, Main Street growth pick up. Um, but it will take many years to get back to where we were in sort of 2019. And I think you have to think about that when you when you invest in stocks. Okay, look back at this podcast in uh, months to come or weeks to come, maybe even days to come, and look at the US 10-year bond yield, which is currently at 0.86%, which is uh, a little bit higher. If it starts to go above that 095 to uh, 1%, which is a long, long way away, then mm-hmm. from what I hear, the, the gearing, the gearing is, is to is such an, an extraordinary extent that people will start to not default but have to cover and uh, yeah anyway that's that's Look, it's not it's it, given that we have lived in this Tina world there is no alternative but to buy equities versus bonds for a long time now clearly rising interest rates will not be good for equity markets no. as I said it depends how slowly they rise so if they're rising slowly because growth is picking up 
I think a large part of the equity market can handle that because it means earnings are improving. If it just rises for no reason, and I can't quite think what that would be right now, maybe an inflation scare, maybe the, the pent-up demand in 2021 leads to inflation, that wouldn't be good for markets. So it all depends on why it's rising. Just a comment for you, though, on November and the returns we've seen, because I know you love these things. Yes. Um, I said to you that S&P had its best November since 28. Uh, just in that respect, and giving some economic history year, that year the equity benchmark climbed 12% in, 2000, in 1928, and there was a small return of 0.3% in December. Uh, that was followed by the stock market crash of October 29 and the Great Depression. So if, you, if you're worried about things, if you're looking at economic history and you're saying, when last did we see those kind of returns? That was 1929. So I'm not saying that's going to happen this time around, but that's just some stats for you. What a cheerful way to end the conversation. Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Wealth. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.